Welcome back to another episode of Wild West Football in the AFC. We are headed into Week 16. I'm here with John uh, and not Brendan today. He got a little scared after the uh, Chargers got <laughs> obliterated. But John, how you doing this week? I'm doing great. Yep, I'm sure you are. That's why Brent, Brendan's in hiding right now. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's just us two today, and we kind of got a, a jam-packed pod we want to talk about. Before we get into that. Um, so, John, I know you're a big Office fan, and this is something the followers need to know. Is there a new revival show coming of The Office? Is there like a are they bringing it back? Like, what's going on with that? Do you know? Well, so there's hints of it, and there's been an official news article. There's always been fake news articles, but there's been an official article that um, there may be rumblings of 2018, 2019, uh, at least couple couple episode revival or something like that. We see it every year. Um, I wouldn't say it's anything to get too excited about until we get another piece of evidence. As of right now, it's just another drop in the bucket. Um, but, I mean, I've heard a ton of great ideas from super fans like myself. Uh, Christmas special every year. They should just do like one three-part episode giving us uh, Dwight Lee in the office, uh, Jim and Pam's new life, and Michael's life down in, uh, in Colorado. So. I mean, there's a ton of great ideas. I hate to see another article like this because it gets me so excited only to be let down. But uh, anticipation is uh, is a great tool to b- building up anything. As you see in fantasy football, they anticipate towards the uh, the championship week, which we are finally here. Uh, you hope that the office would be just pulling our strings, antici- making us anticipate long enough to give us what we finally want in 2018 slash 2019 which also seems like a very long time two-year span but it'll come quicker than we know so hopefully it's not just another uh propaganda to get the office popping on netflix again that's that's interesting it really is but to all the listeners out there i'm pretty sure if they have you know good entertainment taste they know the office is probably the worst show ever made of all time (laughs) so uh excited to disagree excited for those fans but yeah, let's let's get into football. Um, crazy week in the AFC West. We are literally two week, two games away from really deciding this division, and really what the division is looking like right now um, is I believe the Chiefs are at top. They are eight and six. Chargers at second, seven and seven. Raiders are third, six and eight. And the Broncos are five and nine. The Broncos have won two of their last two. Um, who knows if they're really on the up, but. That's really the standings right now, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about, and kind of just the outcast, the out, the layouts. I'm sorry for this podcast. Is we're going to talk podcast for the people. It's championship week. We'll get into that. Then we will talk. We'll recap Chargers Chiefs. We'll talk recap Raiders um, Cowboys, and then we'll kind of start previewing the matchups. It just a you know a heads up to the fans out there. We're not really going to be talking a lot about the Broncos just because you know they're five and nine. And they have they've already been mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. I know you're probably thinking, you know, the Raiders are six and eight; they're not going to make the playoffs. But they actually do have a chance. There's a lot of things have to happen in order for that to happen. But we will kind of see how that turns out and how that shakes up. So yeah, John, you want to start us off with podcast for the people? Yeah. So podcast for the people. You kind of heard in Jake's voice. He said, "It's champion week. It's championship week." Oh, <laughs> it's because he took a crushing blow, lost by point one to Brett Smasher. He it, had Julio to get a catch. It was actually point oh four. Point oh four. Yeah. Talk about that just for a second. Yeah. No. So it was actually. Pre- I, I think I kind of jinxed myself. I remember I was talking to my mom about. She asked how the podcast was going. I was like, oh, mom, like I still have a shot. Um, I'm down 5.8 points. I have Julio, who's one of the best players in the league. I was like, I'm pretty sure I have a shot. I'm going to have a shot at winning $1,200 for charity. You know, mom gives you like, oh, I'm so proud of you talking. It was great. Felt good about myself. And then I had to tell her the next day, like the best player in football scored 5.8 or whatever. And I lost (laughs) 5.04. Like that doesn't happen, dude. He literally had to run four more yards and I win this. I win that week. So it's, absolutely unreal but i'm not too sad about it because i know either way someone's gonna be happy so it's not like i'm in the world i can still fight for third but it's a little disappointing you know all the work you put in came down to julio jones on that (laughs) whatever it's all right it's all right 
And I feel I don't feel too bad talking about this because he, uh, he beat me in our home league and uh, that home. was a crushing blow after going twelve and one. So uh, the point oh four loss in this doesn't really uh, make me feel too bad for him. But nonetheless, uh-huh. Brett Smasher, eleven and two, made his way to the championship. A little bit expected, but uh, can the powerhouse be taken down? Because we had Brad Wingo go against the three-headed monster of David Frazier, David Lazaro, and Big Brett our fancy guru, and they got the five-point win. Now, they only scored 89. Brett, Brett Smasher scored 98. But here's the kicker. In the championship round, the three-headed team of David, David, and Brett get their Goliath back, and they get Zeke Elliott back for championship week. The Cowboys season will be on the line. I think Zeke is going to blow up. So if that'll be the key to the 11-5 Three-headed monster taking down Brett Smasher, eleven and two, or uh, eight and five. Three-headed monster, excuse me. Uh, but once Zeke is back, do you think? Quick fancy question: Do you think he blows up this week, Jake? Oh, I think so, hundred percent. If you think about the storyline, the narrative around this player, you know, he gets suspended for something he didn't even get charged with in court. So it was kind of just a not a, I don't want to say random suspension from Goodell, but it was unlike no other. He literally got suspended for the belief that he did something. Uh, he passed through the courts. He did no judicial thing. So, you know, that's kind of, that hurts a player's name and a brand. Who really knows if he did or not? We're not sure. But he went through the courts, and he, you know, he got through. But Goodell suspended him for six games, right? So he comes, he plays the first eight games or whatever. He is on fire. He's killing it. Wide receiver, I mean, running back one or two. And then the suspension after all the, the court stuff finally happens. Takes six weeks off. He goes to is it Cab Cabo? Cabo 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 yeah, and then he goes there, trains for six weeks, and th- there's pictures out, and he is dude dude is a lot. More, it feels like a lot more jacked and in shape than he was before. It felt like an Ian Rappaport photo shoot. <laughs> Seriously, and then he's coming. You're telling me he's going to come back to the Cowboys, who have a slim shot at making the playoffs. I believe they're eight and six. Making the playoffs in a very, very hard NFC. You know, they're not going to beat the Eagles. They have to get a wild card. Packers lost last weekend, and I believe the uh, Panthers lost. So, good shot for him. So, now the Cowboys have a shot. Zeke's coming in. And then Cobb Gurley just lit up the Seahawks for 45 fantasy points last week. Yeah, I think Zeke's going off this week. I'm actually, like, I in my other league, I have him. And I didn't, I didn't make it to the championship, so I really don't get to play him. But I was so excited. I was like, I just want to play with Zeke. But definitely, if you have Zeke, fire him up. Throw him in your lineup. They're going to lean on him. It's going to be, I think the Cowboys are going to surprise a lot of people. It's going to be just an onslaught, slaughter for Zeke Elliott. Yeah, I I totally agree. And quick correction, uh, Panthers beat the Packers last week. Mm. Um, You're right, I'm sorry. Panthers, Falcons, and Saints won. Cowboys need to win out, and one of those three teams needs to lose twice, which seems like an uphill battle. But that goes back to our our fantasy point that the Cowboys need to win out. So you know they're going to put it all on the line. They're going to bring Zeke back, ready to roll 100%. Uh, you may see like a, a little first quarter sharing of snaps just to get him uh, get him back in the grind of being hit a couple times. And then I think it's full force Zeke ready to go. So that's the great matchup between the three-headed monster, David, David, and Brett against uh, Brett Smasher. Who has been crushing it all season? So we see if he can if he can withstand Zeke and uh, just kind of keep pushing forward and just win what he's expected to win. But then we go, as we always have said, that uh, first, second, and third place get to donate to their charities. Great matchup right here. We got seven and six Jake Hamilton, who has been absolutely pushing. Uh, great run to end the season. Uh, Unfortunate, he's not in the finals. You saw the obviously point oh four loss, but he gets to redeem himself. He goes up against Brad Wingo, who's eight and five, uh, one win better on the regular season, currently tied. They both have a loss in the playoffs now, but they are uh, in the redemption bracket, as I like to call it. They're playing for third place. Uh, this is still for money to their charity, and uh, they got a great matchup ahead of them. So, all is not lost. They both have a shot still. Uh, third place is a little shinier than fourth place, but. We will see. You'll find out next week. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of what we played for. You know, this is, oh, you know, setting up this league a couple of weeks ago. We're all paid up. 
So within the next couple of weeks, we'll have a champion, we'll have the trophy sent out, and we will have, you know, money donated. That's the goal. So, and also just on a kind of a quick note, we, we realized that the buy-in for this league was very steep. It was $150. You know, a lot of people either couldn't afford it or just, you know, weren't interested in a league that that's expensive. Yes, it's a good cause. We understand that. So we're kind of trying to think of creative ways to get more people involved for a cheaper price. And we were thinking... Not been set in stone, but for next season, we'll do like an NFL Pick'ems League, maybe like a $20, $30 buy-in, you know, and we'll figure out all that stuff then. But we can get, you know, 100 people. That's a lot of money for charity. I mean, so it'll be fun. Um, and we use LeakSafe or TeamStake.com to really hold all the uh, the funds so it's not like we're PayPaling us or anything. Um, but And we'll always provide receipts and show transactions that we actually did donate the money. That's just a trust thing, but we're con- we'll obviously handle that, so... With that, let's get into AFC West. John, let's talk about this Chargers-Chiefs game because, as Brandon likes to say, Phil Sember or whatever he says, I don't know where the hell that guy went. This <laughs> Like, this game... He's already on vacation. Oh, he's off, yeah. It's 30-13. to The Chiefs beat the Chargers in Arrowhead on Saturday night, and it was just... You know, it was just... It, they were in control of the whole game, it felt like. Yeah, it, it wasn't pretty, and I'll give you the main reason. It's because Kareem Hunt is back. Uh, he When he is clicking, you've seen it. Our best seven games of the season have been when Kareem Hunt has hit that 100-yard mark uh, in rushing. I mean, he had 155 yards in a TD on 24 carries. We were just handing it to him. It was bread and, our bread and butter. And uh, it really just opened everything else up for the Chiefs offense, uh, which led to Phil Philip Rivers and the Chargers needing to push, push, push. And when they push, uh, it's just that that matchup falls right into our hands. Uh, when you get the AFC West teams pushing from behind against the Chiefs, it gives us a great opportunity to uh, turn the ball over and uh, just kind of run the ball again and burn out the clock. So if we can get a, a, an early lead from rushing, then that's why we match up so well against the AFC West. Uh, and, I mean, this we, Jake and I talked about it extensively off the pod. This is a league of matchups. You see it in the AFC all the time. The, the Steelers match up great against the Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs actually match up okay against the Patriots. That's why we're able to do it, able to get it done sometimes. Uh, but then the Patriots match up great against the Steelers. And you see that in the AFC West. Uh, the Chiefs, the Raiders uh, are sometimes the favorite in the AFC West. They're sometimes the favorite to beat the Patriots if they made it to the FC Championship, as the Chiefs, we know, are not favored to win that game. Uh, so it's it's a, all a game of matchups, and I think the Chiefs just happen to match up well against the, the division right now. You saw it after such a skid, uh, losing to all three New York teams, uh, winning only two of their last eight. Then they went and beat the Raiders, and they beat the Chargers. Uh, it, it was just a matchup that fell right into our hands, uh, and Kareem Hunt is back. Uh, I think he's back in the running. I think you still put Kamara in the front runner for rookie offensive rookie of the year, but Kareem has a couple more games like that, and I think you got to give it to him. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100%. Once we, when we look at the games that the Chiefs lost, they went on a really bad stretch, and maybe it's good they got that out of their system to learn from that. But we saw Kareem was kind of just out of the game plan. What was he getting, 10, 13 carries a game? Yards per carry way down. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like Kareem's, I think, the type of runner that you need to feed him the ball, wear down the defense, and he will explode any moment. And for those of you who haven't watched the game or didn't check out the game, Kareem had 24 carries, 155 yards, 6.5 average yards per carry, and a, a touchdown. That's rushing by itself. Receiving, he had seven receptions, 50 yards, and a touchdown. The dude was, you know, the offense. Um, so I think, you know, moving forward, that's something that they need to really work around is Kareem Hunt, um, is their run game, something they've been so good, you know, for the last whatever years with Jamal. The list goes on with, with the running backs for this team, but they can build around Kareem Hunt, and then that allows Alex Smith, Tyreek to open the field up, and Kels. It's just an overall very, very fluent offense. Um, so I think if they just keep leaning on Kareem, wear down that defense, They'll be fine. Um, this is just an um, amazing performance from the Chiefs' offense. Literally, Chargers looked terrible. So, oh yeah, and we talked about it directly on the pod um, that we thought if anyone were to do it to break the hundred yard mark, it would be Tyree Kill. Mm-hmm. He did not break the hundred yard mark in receiving uh, against this Chargers defense. He Close, did get eighty eight yards, which is the highest uh, against the Chargers this year. 
Uh, we both saw we saw Josh Gordon and Odell Beckham both get over 80 against him too, uh, but it, it was the low 80s. And we said Jake said it. Jake said Jake Stradamus. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's because this guy can break off a touchdown like no other. Uh, he got a 64 yard touchdown. Uh, absolutely blazed up the sideline. Uh, Smith dropped it right in there. It's it's really hard to overthrow this guy. So I think Alex Smith just reared up and threw it as far as he could. Um, the cheetah got right under it, but he got a touchdown. It was nice. Uh, Kelsey, Kelsey didn't have a huge game, but it was it was nice to see uh, they were respecting him. They they had to dedicate guys to covering him, uh, and it wasn't that he messed up anyway. He just wasn't needed. When you see Kareem Hunt and Tyreek Hill clicking, as we've said all season, it's a three headed monster. Um, Kareem Hunt was kind of out of commission for a couple weeks uh, for that two and eight stretch. He really had a struggling time, and you saw how well Kelsey did in his absence. And how Tyreek, how well Tyreek did. So it's it's that three headed monster. Uh, they're all going to the Pro Bowl, and you just you just see it time and time again. These guys are um, two of them will blow up. One of them will, will have a decent game if the offense is clicking. That's how it'll work. But something that the average fan doesn't see that I know Chiefs Twitter has been raving about is this offensive line. I mean, not only in their pass blocking but their run blocking. Their run blocking has been spectacular the past two weeks. Uh, after after people were calling for their heads, people were asking for replacements. People were just giving up on them, and they came out and they've they've been the, those were the best two weeks of this season by far. They had a, five, a great five and zero stretch at the beginning of the season. Alex Smith seemed to have all the time in the world in the pocket, um, but these last two weeks, the way they've been able to get Kareem Hunt uh, up the field, hitting hitting their blocks on the first level, and then you got uh, you got guys with seventies hitting guys with 20s up the field on their jerseys guys with 70s hitting guys with 20s and you know that's always the recipe for success kareem hunt was able to run up the field like no other um just like jake said 24 carries about 55 and a td that's great and that's that's uh rushing alone so i i credit all of this right now to the offensive line these last two weeks who people were calling for their heads i was a little fed up with it too but they they found their groove uh, hopefully they can keep it going yeah, we'll see, like, kind of moving forward. And after this game, what does this really mean for the Chargers? I mean, the Chargers are now, you know, they're headed to New York Jets to play Bryce Petty and this team who gave up a pretty good fight to the New Orleans Saints last last week. So is this game, I expect, I mean, we'll get into it more later on, but what, is, what does that KC loss mean for this Chargers? Is it, is it more of a wake-up call that they're not there yet? Or is it more of, you know, get your ass in gear and let's win these last two games to make the playoffs? I think it's uh, it was a bit of shine the flashlight into the, the weaknesses. So we, we kind of uh, exploited the weaknesses. It's not necessarily a team that can play from too far behind. You saw them have some great wins throughout their stretch. Um they crushed the Bills, who are who are currently the sixth seed. They beat them. Uh, I think it was fifty-two to thirty-four. Mm-hmm. Um, just an absolute blowout. And uh, you, but you see, they were playing from ahead. They got up early and stayed up uh, throughout the game. They they didn't have to press the ball from behind. And uh, I think you, you got to put a little bit of that blame on Phil. It, it, he had some bad reads. Gave Marcus um, Peters a couple interceptions. He was throwing right uh, into double coverage. It was yeah. ugly. Ugly. Ron Parker had an interception. I mean, then you got to give credit Marcus Peters. He, one of those interceptions was a great play. Uh, he did force a fumble on one of the running backs for the Chargers. So it was great. That strip finally worked. I know fans were clamped. Fans hated to see it when he would miss that strip. Uh, and, then, and then the runner would go for an extra 20 yards. But it was rough. He finally got it. Um, give you flashbacks to that Panthers game last year when he stripped Calvin Benjamin for the win. Uh, but it was cool. Yeah, you got to you got to say back to the Chargers, uh, going up against the Jets. It's going to be tough if they're playing from behind. I think the Jets will give them uh, a huge run for their money. Uh, Chargers get out early. I think the game's uh, in their hands. Chargers fall behind late. I think uh, the game's in the Jets' hands without a doubt. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll get more into that actually pretty soon. Let's kind of let's transition into Raiders Cowboys. We watched the game on Sunday night. Um, John, what were your thoughts on this Raiders team? You know, we saw the last play. They lost on the Derek Carr trying to extend for a touchdown. He actually ultimately came up close. Ball fumbled into the end zone, and it was ruled a touchback. Cowboys got the ball back, and the Raiders ultimately lost. They are now 6-8, and eight, um, which is unreal. Um, still have a shot at the playoffs. Very, very slim shot. But, John, how do you think the Raiders performed that game? 
I think I do think they fought till the end, and I think uh, it was said perfectly. We were watching the game, Jake, the Raider fan, and our friend Connor, the Cowboy fan. Oh gosh! And uh, his dad said, "Oh, almost." It was such a close play on the final play. He said, "Almost," and Jake said, "Exactly, almost." That's our season. Mm-hmm. That's that's the, what the Raiders' season was. Almost. I, I obviously they're not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. They have uh, a mountain to climb, and their destiny is not in their own hands. But I think there there are bright spots. There obviously uh, a lot of people are calling for Todd Downing, in the offensive coordinator's head. Uh, but I, I still think you see the bright spots on this team. Cooper had probably the worst season of his career, definitely the worst season of his career. And uh, we look now to uh, to Crabtree. Crabtree stepped up big time. Uh, we we hope Cooper can turn it around. Raiders fans hope Cooper can turn it around uh, to kind of get them going in the right direction. But you got to. I'll publicly ask you now, because we talked about it a little bit. Do you think, uh, what's the percentage? Uh, 80-20, Todd Downing, Derek Carr, 50-50, who's, who's the problem? You know, that's a, that's a good question. I really think it's probably 90-10 um, in, ter- in favor of Todd Downing being the problem. You know, we know Derek Carr is a downfield passer. That's what he does. He's a strong-armed quarterback. People used to re- co- compare him to Aaron Rodgers. That's how strong and how good he was how accurate he was and now the Raiders are running five yard hitch routes feels like every play that's not what he's good at um that's not what the wide receivers are good at that's why you see Crabtree struggle that's why you see Carr struggle because that's not what they do maybe it's sometimes convenient to do that thing until I really throw those short slants the short outs maybe that's nice sometimes but when it feels like you're doing it 90 percent of plays it's annoying it's aggravating I remember the, you know, the Raiders, there was a minute 30 left. They were going down the field. They were on their own 20. They are going on the field, and it's like, you have a minute 30. Why are you throwing a four-yard screen pass? You know? Like, throw a 20-yard. Oh, yeah. Go, throw down the middle. Beat them in the middle. Like, I just don't understand. That's why teams can match up and play man, 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 sorry, man coverage on us, and it will, they can just destroy us because the wide receivers really don't have to do much. It's like a quick release thing I, it's just annoying if i think if they really get rid of todd downing even jdr i'm off his bandwagon off his boat get rid of them but i also want to talk about actually the famous now famous index paper card bullshit route i'm rule i'm sorry for swearing but it's just absolutely ridiculous unreal don't you think oh yeah the it was less the uh the paper for me more the smirk such a serious situation. Uh, you're telling one team their season is basically over, uh, and you're, you're smirking at the rate. You're smirking at the camera, saying first down after you pulled out a sorry piece of crumpled paper. I think it was a terrible spot. I think the Cowboys should have got the first down, but they spotted it where they spotted it. So you bring out the chains, um, and even if you think it was a terrible spot, you give it to them based on where the chains are. It's an imperfect game. It's an imperfect way to do it, but. That paper rule came out of nowhere. He folded it up and didn't even use the folded side. He used the side that was uh, the two sides were open. Uh, I, I mean, from to the naked eye, I didn't even see it touch the ball. I believe that it did. I mean, everyone said it was touching the ball, but what a crap of a rule. Yeah, and that ultimately helped decide the game. You know, the Cowboys went, scored on that drive. But it's also it's aggravating that it's 2017 and we're using a, a piece of freaking paper to determine a first down. And it was folded, too. It wasn't like it was single ply. It was freaking double. Next time, why don't you throw a goddamn binder down there? You know, I'm, I'm sorry for swearing. I'm sorry for causing it, but I'm really just upset. This was a season-on-the-line type game. And, you know, the Raiders ultimately lost. Another thing with the officiating crew, which I had, you know, struggles understanding, is on that fourth on that uh, fourth quarter drive to hopefully lead the team to a win. There's a huge pass interference call on Michael Crabtree or on the defense, but it was on that Michael Crabtree. He was like 40 yards down the field, and I don't know if you guys remember, but he hit his helmet on the back of the ground. So people were like, it was pretty hard hit. So you know, there's a there is a concussion protocol. Players have to go under the tent to really you know make sure they're okay, which is fine. That's a great rule. They should be doing that. But the thing is, they let him play for two more downs to get like to try and score. They get to the ten yard line or whatever, eight yard line. Then like, oh crap, you got to go out and do your concussion protocol. Two plays after the play that ultimately would have given him a concussion. Why didn't they give him out that first play? 
he does not have a concussion. Get him out there. Check him out. And if he's fine, put him back in for that goal line fade. We could have won that game. We had our best offensive player on that field. So It was joke of an officiating uh, job right down on there at the end. It's, it's almost like they wanted the Cowboys to win. I'm not going to speculate anything, but that is just ridiculous. And the ref, Gene Sagitor, Sagitor he uh, he was the officiating crew when the Des, the famous Des Bryant no-catch rule, when they were basically eliminated from the playoffs off that catch. He was the ref who decided that. So now they gave him a Sunday night game against the Raiders and then a bunch of BS calls against the Raiders. It was I'm not going to blame the refs. But it's also it's just aggravating because nothing really went our way. And there's a lot of questionable calls throughout the whole game. But yeah, no, I know uh, it's Gene Sagator. Little little fact check for us. Wait, what um, I what I say? Sagator. His game was sad for sure. <laughs> like but uh, yeah, you you question uh, the the politics behind that. You you put Gene Sagator in there, uh, give him a little bit of a redem and I a chance to redeem himself for the Cowboys. Um, if I'm a Cowboys fan, I still hate that guy. Uh, because <laughs> Des caught it. Hmm. One, two, uh, that that nasty smirk. You know, the next day could go against the Cowboys. It could be he could be officiating your game, and he could say, "All right, uh, made a good call for you guys. Now I'm going to make a bad call for you guys." Uh, it just feels like that's how he plays the game, or that's how he officiates the game, and it's it's not cool to see. Uh, you got to get guys like that out of there. I, I think maybe he's had a great pass. Maybe he's a good guy, but at his job, he's doing pretty bad. Uh, two huge mistakes on national primetime television. So at what point do you say, all right, pull the cord, get that guy out of there and to smile while doing it. Uh, uh, I just know. not professional whatsoever. Uh, but, but yeah, let's move, kind of uh, move forward. Uh, that was a tough game. Now the Raiders are headed to Philly for Monday night football, but we'll get into that soon. But let's talk about, I just want to talk quickly about the Broncos. Not really much, but they're on a two-game win streak. They beat in the Jets. They just routed the Colts on Thursday night. Um, but Bill Musgrave, the former, Raiders, the former Raiders offensive coordinator, is now the Broncos offensive coordinator. and He made Brock Osweiler look pretty damn good. I mean, reckon it is the Colts. But also, he, he was making throws. He had a couple rushing touchdowns. Interesting. And then C.J. Anderson blew up for 158. So I just want to mention those stats. But... Let's start talking. Let's go into the Chiefs. Let's talk about the AFC West, number one team right now. They are headed, they're actually at home playing Miami, who's kind of had a surging Kenyon Drake. This team beat the Patriots a couple weeks ago. They did lose to Buffalo last week. But, John, how are you feeling about you know the Dolphins? What are the challenges you guys are going to have to go against? Well, I'm feeling great because, <clears throat> well, we're the, heavy, we're the heavy favorite. We're 82% chance to win. Uh, per ESPN. Uh, but I never look at that. I look at matchups and I think we'd match up just as well against this team as we do against the chargers. I think you have a Kenyon Drake who's kind of playing uh, a Melvin Gordon S game. And uh, you saw us, we were able to bottle up Melvin Gordon a little bit. He still got 78 yards and a touchdown, which is pretty good uh, fancy stats, but it wasn't enough to win a game. And you see Jay Cutler, who's kind of a knockoff uh, Philip Rivers. <laughs> this guy he can uh, sling the ball like Phil. He can uh, have great games like he did against uh, the Miami Dolphins. But this guy just quits time and time again on his team. And uh, you guarantee the Chiefs get up and get an early lead. Uh, he's going to be slinging it. And uh, we got guys in the secondary who can make plays like Ron Parker and Marcus Peters. So this guy's just going to be uh, carelessly throwing around the ball. The Chiefs know how to turn it over, and they have for years and years. And uh, I think you're going to see another game in Arrowhead where uh, – I don't think Jay Cutler is ready for that. Uh, while the rest of the team, I think, in Miami, is, uh, it, it will be serviceable, I think uh, Jay Cutler leads that offense, and it's going to kind of just crumble under him. Uh, the, the wide receivers I like there, they're good. We, had, we obviously speculated about Jarvis Landry before the trade deadline, um, but he had a great game himself. I was at the Bills-Dolphins uh, game last week, got a chance to see him up close and personal, and just kind of an ugly game. A couple picks uh, by Jay Cutler. Uh, Trey White, uh, up-and-comer, but I don't think he's yet at the Marcus Peters level for playmaking, and uh, you've seen Marcus Peters do it last game against Phil, and I think without a doubt if uh, Jay Cutler's throwing balls anywhere like Phil, Marcus Peters is going to get his hands on him. Yeah, I agree. Jay Cutler's got to be one of the, the least accurate quarterbacks in the league. He's joked about usually for not really caring. 
Um, but really the only concern I have with this game and for the Chiefs, I think they have some clear advantages all around. It's just a better team, better coach team. They also get to play an arrowhead. That's a huge advantage. We know that. But I'm, I'm actually kind of worried about Kenyon Drake. This dude has been on fire lately. He has like really fit the system, something that Jay Ajayi could not grasp in the first half of the league. First half of the year, I'm sorry. And then now, you know, Drake's on fire. Can the Chiefs stop this guy? You know, Gordon did have 78 yards and a touchdown, but he also had a lot of receiving yards, too, and a lot of catches. And Drake's really that all-around back who can do that. He's looked very good. That's one of the concerns I have. I think, you know, they can match up with Cutler. They can stop Cutler. Uh, I think that's no problem. You know, they do still have Jarvis Landry, who's always been phenomenal. He's having a career year. So that's... Drake's really the big problem for me, the big worry, I guess. But also, on the other side of the ball, I'm looking at, you know, they still have Dom Kong Su, and they just lost their center Mitch Morse to IR on a couple days ago. So that might be a concern, that interior pass rush. Can the Chiefs, you know, stop that or limit it at least? We'll see. But, I mean, all around, I, I'm, I'm really favoring the Chiefs in this game. Just from an overall, they win on a lot of aspects in this game, you know? Yeah, good, great point to bring up. Um, I'll bring up a little little uh, security in Chiefs fans' minds. We were able to stop uh, Zeke Elliott, slow him down extremely well. Uh, but but just like Jake said, uh, if you stop one, there might be another one uh, coming around. We stopped Zeke, and uh, Terrence Mitchell, an unlikely hero, blew us up for 100 yards and a touchdown. I mean, does just stuff you can't let happen. Uh, and that was in Week 10, so not too long ago. Now we have uh, Kenyon Drake, who's surging. Uh, you saw the Bills did it. They didn't uh, necessarily have a ton of <clears throat> uh, rushing yards with LaShawn McCoy when they played us, but they had their time of possession was better than us. And the Chiefs struggle when they don't have a good time of possession. You saw it with the Bills. We lost 16-10. to 10. You saw it really throughout that New York stretch, <clears throat> other than the Jets game maybe. <clears throat> but you saw it again when they played the Steelers this year. The, they ran the ball with Le'Veon Bell. They had amazing time of possession. And the Chiefs were only able to put up 12 points. Yes, they made a run there late at the end, uh, but it just wasn't enough. So if Miami Dolphins can uh, manage their time of possession and uh, beat the Chiefs in that uh, aspect, it gives them a great chance to win the game. Uh, obviously, they'll, they'll have to score early, keep a little bit of a cushion between the, them and the Chiefs, and have a great time of possession. Give the Chiefs as few chances as possible, because the more chances you give them, the more chances that three-headed monster has a chance to make a huge play and once one of them makes a huge play, the rest of the field opens up for this Chiefs offense. You've seen it time and time again. So it's really, can they hold the ball? Can they limit the Chiefs' time holding the ball? Is there is pretty much their only chance I see at them winning. Yeah, kind of on the flip side, actually, of that, you know, we mentioned time possession, it's huge. And that's really what the Chiefs need to do in this game. I really believe this. They need to... Get an early lead. If they're up fourteen nothing at the say for example at the end of the first, get the Dolphins to shy away from their run game. Get them to throw. Get Jay Cutler to throw the ball, and the Chiefs should be able to take in, take control of this game no problem. Because you know we saw that against the Jets, they were up fourteen zero. We thought the Chiefs all oh, they won, but you know Robbie Anderson and Josh McCounter, that offense is pretty. That's a lot. I think that offense is better than the Dolphins, and they're not. I don't think the Dolphins can do the same thing that that team did. So I really think that the Chiefs can just get ahead early, make them shy away from the run game. Don't let them control the clock. The Chiefs had this game in the bag, without a doubt. Uh, and, and, you know, the Chiefs have to win out if they want to win this division because the Chargers are on their tail. The Raiders realistically don't have a shot at the division anymore. But, you but know, still a chance. Yeah, if, the, if, say, the Chiefs lose this week and then the Chargers win, you know, the Chiefs have to play Den at Denver Week 17, and the Raiders and the Chargers have to play Oakland in L.A. Um, so, I mean, I don't know who I'd rather play, Denver or Oakland, but the home field advantage the Chargers would have kind of might decide the division. So the real Chiefs really need to win. Um, you know, but with that, do you kind of want to get into any last-minute thoughts or want to head into predictions? What are you thinking? Yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> laid it out pretty well what both teams would need to do to be able to win, what the Dolphins would be able to, do, to need to do to beat the Chiefs. Uh, let's get into predictions. All right, yeah. I'm, I'm actually going to shoot mine out there quick. I think I'm going to go Chiefs 24, Dolphins 10. I just think the Chiefs really can control this game. Cream's going to run down their throats. 
get the defense tired. I think Kels has a nice game. Um, and Ty Freak, you know, he can pop out at any second. And I really think the Chiefs control all aspects. For sure. And uh, I'm going to go with a bit of a higher scoring game because I think the turnover total for the Chiefs will be just that, just that in their favor. Um, I'm going three turnovers, which will lead to about uh, 30 plus points. So I'm going to go 31-14 uh, or 31-13 Chiefs over Dolphins. Okay. All right. And with that, let's kind of head into the Chargers, another team that is looking at getting towards the division title or even a possible wild card spot in the playoffs. They are going to the Jets, like we said, to play Bryce Petty and the Jets team. But, I mean, we know the Jets have looked decent, but they have kind of been turning down the last couple weeks. You know, they started out fairly well. They've lost... Four of their last five. Um, and team, Josh McCown. Josh McCown. No shot at the playoffs. You know, how much fight does this team really have left? Um, so I think, that, obviously, the Chargers have some clear advantages in this game. Um, I, I think they're going to shut down Robbie Anderson. I would not play him in fantasy. They're going to shut down pretty much this whole team. Uh, Bryce Petty. I just, I just I cannot see a, a situation where Bryce Petty is doing well against the defense like the Chargers. Um. So what are you thinking really about this game? What are some areas you're excited to see? Well, yeah, of course. The more I look at it, the more I do get worried for the Jets uh, that the Chargers will get the victory because they've kind of been a one-trick pony. I know their run game has been good, but only when it's directly followed by the success of their passing game. And you've seen this Chargers secondary limit guys time and time again. Uh, no 100-yard no yard receiver this year on them. No 90-yard receiver this year on them. Uh, so you kind of just wonder... Uh, if they're one-trick ponies and, and it'll be a bit of a blowout for the Chargers, or you wonder if the Jets will kind of shine in another area. But uh, right now I'm favoring the Chargers. I think everybody is. I think Vegas is. Um, ESPN Indicators, I think, is. So I'm going. I, I'm looking for Keenan Allen to have a big game. Uh was kind of shut down a little bit last week. I think this is the week he'll blow up again. Yeah, I honestly believe that too. You know, this is a very, very good matchup for Keenan Allen, but – also, because Hunter Henry is now on IR, so it just opens up the target share a little bit more. Keenan can grab a couple couple more targets, a couple more catches. But he did exit that game with a back injury. He's supposedly fine, but we'll kind of have to watch the practice reports as they come out this week to really see, is he going to be playing? Even if he didn't, hypothetically, Chargers still have clear advantages in this team. Um, you know, Gordon should have a nice game. Even though the Jets do have a pretty good run D, but I think kind of the same thing like the Chiefs they'll control the game and just be able to kind of run down the wire waste some clock that's really their I think that's what's going to happen and you know the Jets right now with Bryce Petty for for example have no one really to go over 100 yards against Casey Hayward in this defense uh, I don't I don't see it you know maybe a big play for Robbie but just with Bryce Petty delivering the ball I, I can't see really a point where they'd really have a shot in this game um, so I'm leaning Chargers a lot. You know, I hope that kind of blowout on Saturday really just woke them up. Like we got to get going, and we'll see. There's, they got to if they want a shot in the playoffs, they need a fire lit under them right now. So we'll see. I yeah. mean, also I think, uh, yeah, yeah, go for it. I was gonna say also for the Jets, uh, their defensive end Leonard Williams, one of their best players on that line is in the concussion protocol. He might not play Week 16. That would be a huge loss for them. That's really the only injury I'm seeing. It's still early. It's Wednesday. No practice reports are out yet. So just clarification on the Jets and how they're looking. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. anything else you want to I, talk about this Chargers team? I think you look, you look for big games from the offensive guys. Uh, Keenan Allen with the back injury. Maybe you think the Chargers can uh, get this win without him. So maybe they just uh, kind of take it precautionarily uh, step by step and let him sit and uh, kind of try and win without him. Uh, it's a huge gamble because their season's on the line. But you never know. Uh, the, his health is obviously more important than a win. So you'll see if he's healthy enough to play or not. But I, either way, uh, if he plays, I think he'll have a great game. And yeah, not much. We kind of laid it all out there. I think uh, I'll go into my score prediction with the ch Chargers – at 28, the Jets, I'm, I'm having trouble putting them past 14. 
So I'm just going to go 28-13 Chargers. All right, I'm going to actually go 21-10 Chargers. Actually, I just like similar to the Chiefs. These ma- the matchup in this game is just too good for the Chargers really to lose. I think they win in all facets of the, of the game. Really, at special teams, offense, defense. So. I just can't see the, the Chargers losing, especially with a, a playoff chance. You know, they should be fired up. Yeah. So I'm going to go. All right, good, Chargers. Yeah, good we're, way to put it. We're in a lot of agreements um, lately. But, yeah, uh, I, I, like, I like the way you put that, though. They're going to win in all facets of the game. So you definitely think they have time to burn clock. They can, uh, if they're ever forced to punt it, which we'll, we'll find out if they are, uh, they'll be able to pin them in good field position. Uh, so I do think it'll be more of a tactical game. They won't have to sling the ball as much as they had to try in Kansas City. So I think you'll just see a bit of a more well-rounded Chargers team this week. Yeah, and with that, let's kind of talk about Raiders. We're only really going to talk about them briefly because their playoff chances are fairly slim. You know, so we wanted to spend more time on the Chargers and the Chiefs. Hurts me to say that, but we are headed to Philadelphia <laughs> Christmas night, Monday night football. I mean, really for Raider fans, even if they're out of the playoffs, this is kind of cool. You know, playing on Christmas night, something just something extra to look forward to on, a, on an amazing day. For people that celebrate, of course, but in Philly, they actually lost their left tackle Donald Penn for foot surgery. He is out the rest of the year, which no surprise. He did tweet that he will be back next year, stronger than ever. So that's encouraging. Um, but John, what are some areas you see this Raiders team? Obviously, they just coming off a tough loss to the Cowboys, and we saw how the Giants looked against the Eagles last week. You know, they were destroying that defense. Eli was looking great. Tavares King had some nice plays. Do you think the Raiders' offense, with how limited we've seen it, can they score some points on this Eagles' defense? I think they can. And I think uh, for them to win, they're going to have to. So I I don't see any reason why, with the current situation they're in right now, uh, offensively, uh, season-wise, why Todd Downing, if not Todd Downing, then someone else kind of steps up and says, all right, let's just open up this offense. We've went out and we've added Jared Cook, Cordero Patterson, Marshawn Lynch. Uh, Michael Crabtree is playing great right now. Let's just go out and sling this ball. Don't worry about turning it over. You've got the guys, uh, you got the offensive weapons to kind of limit that. I, I do expect maybe a turnover or two from the, from the Raiders. Not that Carr is a kind of a big turnover guy, but uh, I, I just think to beat this team with the offensive weapons on the Eagles and with Nick Foles just coming out and scoring, having four TDs like that, uh, picking up right where Wentz left off, they're going to have to score a lot uh, to beat the Eagles. And I don't think it matters time of possession. I don't think it matters anything like that. I, if they don't put up um, more than 24 points, I don't think they have a shot. So I, I don't see any reason why the Raiders don't come out slinging and just absolutely fire the ball downfield as best they can. Try to get Marshawn involved. Try to get that that two-headed monster behind him and Washington Richard uh, kind of out, out and about. Uh, in the run game, though, I don't think uh, they need to be making all these screen passes and hooks like we've seen time and time again. I think uh, you open it up with the passing game and you kind of give uh, Marshawn, Richard, and Washington uh, some carries and let them make plays, uh, get the trick plays out. This is the week to use them because you lose, you're, you're mathematically eliminated. You win and you have a small glimmer of hope and there's bright bright sides going into next season even if you don't get the win. Um, as long as you're opening up that offense and showing what what is possible out of this team, that's my take on it. Yeah, no, you 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 know, like you said, there's nothing to lose. Really, this is the time to stop being conservative and take a shot. We imagine going 12 and four, then finishing potentially six and ten. This game is kind of huge for confidence too. JDR's job, Downing's job, but I really think if the offense can come out firing, attack this Eagles defense, you know, we do have a shot because the Eagles have a very competent offense. Even with the Nick Foles, they looked great last week. I don't want to downplay that whatsoever. But, uh, excuse me, yeah. So if they can just control LeGarrette Blunt, J.H.I.E., and make them throw with Nick Foles, you know, we've seen Sean Smith kind of the resurgence of him lately, and we need to have that still. I also want to note something. This is from Austin Gale, who works for Pro Football Focus. In weeks 1-11, to the Ken Norton Jr. area's defensive coordinator, the Raiders' edge defenders ranked 25th in total pressures. Weeks 12-15, to with John Pagano now as the defensive coordinator, the edge rushers ranked 2nd in total pressures with 46. 
There's been Pagano pressure. He's been legit. These We're getting a lot of sacks. Khalil had two against the Cowboys. Bruce tipped the ball, which caused an interception. So I really think our defense is playing to a level where we can win this game. It's more of just can our offense score, which is what we need to see from Derek Carr and company. But I think we can really stop Foles. I really think we can. Um, it's just going to come down to, to that, like every game. So... I, I'm nervous, but I also think we can do it still. So. Oh yeah, I, th- I think there's a shot. There's no way I'm counting this this offensive powerhouse that is the Raiders out. Uh, they've had a tough season. We've seen what they've been able to do, and they've only added weapons this year. So I, I don't know why you wouldn't unleash them this week since you haven't thus far. Um, just kind of kind of shoot your shot, Raiders. Todd Downing, offensive coordinator, uh, Pagano, and the pressure. Just freaking attack. Send send Khalil Mack after the quarterback as much as you can. Get Irvin involved as much as you can on the defense, and let the offense just absolutely ride. Let them let them try to force turnovers uh, on defense. Let the offense just absolutely ride, and I think that's your best chance at winning. Yeah, we'll see. They can stray away from the the short routes. You know, Crabtree. It looks like Cooper probably will be out again. If I had to guess, no official word on that. Crabtree had 17 targets last week. I kind of expect similar volume for him. Um, so, yeah, I want to kind of get into score predictions for this team. We kind of spilled our thoughts a little bit. Yeah, I'll jump right into it. I'm going to go <clears> – <throat> I will go Eagles victory, uh, but I'm going to go a bit of a closer game than people would expect. I think the Eagles come out on top. Uh, I think the Raiders have been playing shy this year, but I think they are going to come out and uh, play that Raider Nation mentality that they had all last year that just absolutely scared fans around the league when their team had to play them. And uh, I think they're going to play smash mouth football. So I'm going uh, Eagles 25, Raiders 20. I actually have similar thoughts. You know, the Eagles are playing for a lot. They're trying to play for home field advantage in the playoffs. And if they can get Nick Foles one week off for more extra preparation, they're really fighting for that. So I really think um, they kind of have a lot. They have a home field advantage. So the narrative really is in their favor. I'm, I'm going to roll Eagles here too. And this is not me choosing a team over the Raiders. It's more of me just being a realistic fan and trying to take my emotion out of my decision. But I'm going to go Eagles 24 Raiders 14. I just think that the Raiders offense is going to be a problem. I think Downing's on his way out. I think JDR might not have a job if they go 6 and 10 and this is just something, you know, this is a big game for the future of the Raiders. Um so we'll see. I still don't think there's really any playoff hopes even though it's mathematically they can. I just think the chances are so small it doesn't really matter. So yeah, that's where I'm going with but uh, yeah, let's kind of move into. You want to talk about fantasy football now that we got? Let's get after it. Yep. Yeah, so for most leagues, this is championship weekend. This will probably be our last fantasy football segment, actually, for a while. Um, so we got Big Brett's fantasy football landscape. We got a qu- couple questions lined up, John. I'm going to say the first one just because. Yeah. It's your boy. Yeah. So I actually mentioned to John a couple weeks ago that Juju Smith-Schuster, I think I said on this podcast, would win fantasy leagues. Um, I really believe in did. him. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then he that was your pick. He got suspended. He, you know, he was injured. He was out of game. So he's missed a little bit of time. But now with Antonio Brown, he is out the remainder of the season. Might come back for the playoffs. Big loss for the Steelers. Uh, now they're going to play a Houston defense that's ranked fourth in most fantasy points allowed to the wide receiver position. This has been an area they've struggled. And now Juju is going to pot- potentially get more of the target share, get more, more looks, more catches. John, where do you think he really finishes as a wide receiver this week? What, what, like wide receiver 20, wide receiver 10, where do you think he finishes? Well, I think uh, with A.B. out, I think Juju's definitely in the running for a top 20 finish. I think it's more towards the lower end, but that's because I think two wide receivers from the Steelers team will be top 20 finishers. And I think uh, Martavis Bryant, after the week he showed us last week, that one-handed touchdown grab uh, and just a lot of great plays other than that, uh, against the Patriots, I think against the Texans, uh, the Steelers will have two wide receivers in the top 20 who aren't named Antonio Brown. And that's just because I think their offense is that good this year. Uh, we'll see Le'Veon have a great game and open up the open up the field for the rest of the guys. And I do think Martavis Bryant benefits from maybe being down more than, uh, uh, than Juju Smith-Schuster does. You've seen Juju make the big plays time and time again. Uh, I just think it's hard not to target Martavis Bryant for how big he is and how good his hands are. 
so yeah, I, I think I'll, I'll flip it over and I'll say Juju top 20 finisher more towards 20. And I think uh, Martavis Bryant at low teens finisher. Okay, yeah. I mean, I think that's very fair. I think if I had to give a number on where I think Juju's going to finish, I think he's definitely right around that wide receiver one. I think it'll be 12 or 14, kind of in that range, just because the matchup's so good, the volume's there. And, you know, a lot of people put pressure on Lev Bell, so it should open up looks for him. I'm really liking Juju this week. I would fire him up. That's a guy I know I'm personally starting, but who knows? It's, it's a crazy league. A lot of variables going his way, so... Definitely. And I, I'm on board. I'm saying uh, start Juju, start Martavis if you got either of them, uh, depending on your team, unless, unless you have a powerhouse stack team. But if you're looking for a good flex, Juju, Martavis, uh, I would even plug them in as a wide receiver too, depending on who you got. Okay, yeah. And uh, you got the next question for us, John? Yeah, so what AFC West player uh, do you think will be the biggest factor for uh, this this championship week? Assuming you're in the championships like most leagues are, uh, who are you looking to in the AFC West to have a big week that that could win you your game or just could be uh, another piece in the cog towards your championship trophy? Uh, yeah, for me, this one's definitely going to be Kareem Hunt. You know, we saw what LaShawn McCoy did to this defense, this Miami defense last week. And if the Chiefs can just feed him the ball, get him some catches, I think he takes this game over. I, I, can't, I can see him getting a couple of touchdowns, five to six catches, 100 yards. I think he'll be the most serviceable. And probably the most consistent this week in terms of, you know, we'll see, we know what he's capable of doing. He's got a great matchup, Kareem Hunt for me. Yeah. I mean, great answer. Honestly, my first thought would have been Kareem Hunt as well. Um, but I'm going to actually shy away from the norm. I, I'm going to go uh, with uh, Demarius Thomas. What? I think you see, we've seen a couple game resurgence and it's crazy. It's he's, he's been a perennial wide receiver too. Uh, he's top of the wide receiver two every year in fantasy. Uh, it's had a bit of an off year just because the the uh, Broncos have had a bit of an off year. And you heard it by Jake's reaction. It's not a play that uh, people are expecting. I think with a little bit of a resurgence from Brock Osweiler, as we were doing our pod last week, you saw him have a nice game. Uh, I, I just think Demarius Thomas go, can go out there and get you uh, close to 10 receptions close to 100 yards, and maybe a touchdown, which could be the difference maker uh, on your championship roster. If you got him on your bench and uh, you're looking at uh, uh, Demarius Thomas or Martavis Bryant, as we just talked about, I would honestly put in uh, Demarius Thomas. Guy is solid. Uh, he's going to get targets. He's got great hands, and he's a, he's a red zone threat. So while well, I do think uh, I'm on board with Jake, I think Kareem Hunt will be the guy that will win you the championship week uh, if he has a good game. For the AFC West players, I think Demarius Thomas is right there in the running for a guy who can uh, really facilitate the rest of your team and uh, just get you some points that you might have been lacking. I think he'll be a steady play. Broncos are on the rise. Obviously, they're out of the playoffs, so this is kind of their their playoffs for them. Uh, and I think they, they play all out. They they're definitely got a little bit of resurgence going. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with you. I think uh, it's an interesting sleeper pick, but... Uh... The last, I think the last question I had was who really is like the fantasy MVP this season, and we can you know look at numbers, but who really came across and brought these your teams to the championship? Who who carried you there, right? Is that yeah. A, what about great you? Great question. Absolutely great question. Uh, I've seen it in every every league that I'm involved in, uh, with the exception of maybe podcast for the people. Uh, Russell Wilson. If you had this guy on your team, uh, he. He literally got you from wherever you were, even if you were playing good, to uh, the playoffs. I, I'd be surprised if you didn't make the playoffs. Your team must have been very bad if you had him uh, and you had no one else and you didn't make the playoffs. But this guy, uh, I was reading it through to Jake the other week, with the exception of both times he played the Rams, which were, was, was painful to watch. He got 12 and 11 points, 11 points coming last week. Uh, I think, though, his, his stretch from week five – until last week when he got uh, over 20 every week but one, over 30 points three of those weeks, depending on your league scoring. Uh, he absolutely he turned around a team in our home league, put put that, that kid from uh, only two wins to in the playoffs. Uh, he turned around my team in one of my school leagues and, and put me all the way in the championship round. Uh, I had some other guys step up big time last week, and Kareem Hunt, who hadn't been playing well, uh, he stepped up, put me in the championship. Uh, now I got Zeke coming back, and Russell Wilson, uh, if he can turn it around from that 11-point game and get another 20-plus, 
then I'm sitting pretty. Uh, not to jinx it, I'm knocking on wood. Russell uh-huh. Wilson is my fantasy MVP because of the stretch he had uh, from week five to the playoffs, getting you in there if if you had him. Okay, yeah, that's a great answer, I think. And uh, one that's true, I think in a lot of leagues I've seen Russell. I mean, I think Brett Smasher's quarterback is Russell Wilson, so he's in the finals for Podcast the People. Um, but uh, I think for me, my really MVP for the fantasy season, I think has to be either Lev Bell, Gurley, or even Alvin Kamara. Dude, is, these guys are reliable um, at a position that sometimes isn't so reliable. You know what I mean? Like quarterbacks, for me, should get around 19 to 24 points a week, hypothetically. I mean, but when you look at Lev Bell, if he's averaging 25 to 30 points a week, that is just unreal. That's like two running backs, essentially. Um, two very good running backs, and a lot. Of, I think Lev Bell, Gurley, Kamara are all in the discussion. But for me, I'm I'm leaning Lev Bell just because, honestly, you know, kind of an emotional attachment to him because I've had him in a league, and he's just an amazing player. But so for me, it's Lev Bell, and NFL fantasy MVP. I really think he should go first overall next year in majority of leagues. I would take him over DJ. I would take him over Zeke. I would take him over Gurley. So I'm going Lev Bell for me. That's a great question, and uh, I, I, this is a bit of a surprise question. You didn't know this one was coming, but um, we've talked about it so many times on this podcast. At the beginning of the season, the rookie running class, rookie running back class, absolutely amazing. I'm going to read you the list. Uh, if I left one off, let me know uh, of the of the names who are in contention for this question. And I think there's some obvious ones that you'll leave off, but Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey. Of those guys, who are you putting as uh, the least disappointing? I know uh, we'll go through it real quick. Joe Mixon had some uh, – he finally got his role uh, as the kind of the lead back uh, a little more than midway through the season. You saw him take full advantage of it. Uh, you saw Dalvin Cook had a great couple of games. Unfortunately, then he got injured uh, just so early in the season. Uh, we thought he could have been the next coming of uh, Adrian Peterson. Then you see, even obviously, a different type back, Jamal Charles type of skill. Then you saw Alvin Kamara. He's the second running back on his team, but he's leading the league in a ton of stats, uh, leading his team in, in all-purpose yards. Uh, then you see Kareem Hunt absolutely blow up the first five weeks, kind of tail off, and uh, had a little bit of a resurgence. You saw Leonard Fournette, great start. And uh, Christian McCaffrey uh, just had a, a bit of a solid season throughout. So which, which fantasy running back that was a rookie this year do you think was the least – disappointing who was the guy you wanted most at by the end of the season uh you know from you know we've talked about this before i know we you know we talked about who's going to offensive rookie of the year but i really i'm a big alvin kamara fan um just in terms of, i love what he does i think he was a little he was kind of in the in the dirt the first couple weeks he wasn't getting any carries any catches it was kind of kind of crazy and then he kind of just blows up the last 10 games or so so for me it's alvin kamara just because this dude was i think a fourth round pick came to a backfield with Adrian Peterson, Mark Ingram, and you know he really made a name for himself. He emerged. They got rid of AP because they were so confident in Kamara. And obviously we've known what he's done since AP's departure. He's, he's literally winning guys' fantasy leagues because imagine having a Lev Bell and then picking up an Alvin Kamara on the wire. Your team's almost unstoppable. So I'm going to go with Kamara. I really do like Kareem. For me, it's either Kamara or Kareem Hunt. Kareem has a similar story. You know, He's a late-round draft pick. He comes in. Where's hurt. He really gets control of this backfield, and he definitely he has 1,200 yards rushing, six touchdowns. He has 440 receiving with three touchdowns. So those stats are offensive rookie of the year. And to kind of put that in perspective, um, Kamara has 652 rushing, seven touchdowns, um, but he also has 68 catches for five touchdowns. So Kamara's more of the overall, I think, overall player. And I think if Kamara had, you know, the usage that Kareem had in terms of there was no Mark Ingram. I think Kamara takes the cake all day. So I think I, I love that argument, and I think it'll come down to the very final two weeks. Uh, usage, Kamara had way less, uh, was able to do a lot with it. Uh, but then you got to look at Kareem Hunt. Uh, he did a lot with what he had. So, I mean, uh, you wonder, and I think it'll honestly come down to these last two weeks to decide the offensive rookie of the year. But of that running back list, I don't have either of those guys. I have Christian McCaffrey. I think uh, Kamara and Hunt were guys who uh, throughout the year won you weeks alone. They won you your week. Uh, even if the rest of your team was doing bad, they just had enough points to kind of come bring it all back. 
uh, Hunt with a, obviously the 40 point week the first week, and uh, he had a 36 point week last week, obviously pending your league scoring. Uh, and Kamara's just blown up as of late and has been able to win you weeks, even if your team uh, was was in shambles. He's kind of just been that piece that that will score enough for two players worth, you know. But I'm going Christian McCaffrey because he he kind of did it for a little bit longer and has been doing it for a little bit longer. He didn't have that kind of hiatus that Kareem Hunt had. Uh, he's been doing it since before uh, Alvin Kamara. He didn't have never had a game like either of those guys. But I say lucky number 17 because I can't tell you how many times I've needed this guy to get uh, 15 plus and he's gotten me 17 points. And it was just enough to win the week, just enough to win a game. Uh, so I'm going McCaffrey. He's been uh, lights out just kind of a, a consistent piece in my team and, uh, and, and the Panthers offense, really. I mean, you saw Jonathan Stewart blow up last week. Chris McCaffrey still had a good week. and uh, was able to get your points. He had a touchdown uh, guys good for uh, close to one a game. So uh, he, he was my pick for uh, most dependable, least disappointing. Uh, cause you, cause you never had that kind of lull that you had with the other guys. Yeah. I mean, there was a point people were benching cream hunt and fantasy because they just didn't, you know, there was nothing. Yeah. Alvin Kamara was dropped in many leagues at the beginning of the season because he just wasn't doing anything. But uh, you wonder. I'd love to see. We'll talk about it as long as this podcast is live, uh, These this rookie running back class and kind of how it filters out. But, yeah, I think that's a great place to end. A uh, little bit of a surprise last question there, but we love talking about this rookie running back class. and I think we will for time to come. Yeah, and, I mean, with that, that kind of wraps up our fantasy um, and our one of our – podcast um, heading into week 16 big week um i hope you guys have a happy holiday thank you very much for listening john any last comments before we sign off uh let's see if the raiders can give uh, these fans a christmas present uh, it's been a <laughs> season but they got a big opportunity to make a lot of raider fans happy so there you go all righty all right guys thank you for listening we'll chime in next week